Hey everyone, welcome to Locked on Lakers for Monday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. Media Day is Monday. What do you want to hear from Darvin Ham, Rob Palenka, uh, LeBron James, and the rest? That's next on Locked on Lakers. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks to everybody for making Locked on Lakers first listen of every day, Monday through Friday, no matter how you get your podcasts, where you get your podcasts, Andy, we're never going to charge you for it. We charge the company. We don't charge mm-hmm. you. Um, but it's never going to be behind a paywall. It is always going to be free for you, our listeners, our viewers uh, on Locked on Lakers on YouTube, where we recently passed 8,000 subscribers. Uh, thank you, everybody, for that, um, helping us grow this channel really quickly. Um, great community of, of commenters and all that uh, that are that are developing around there. It's actually like a shockingly fun and reasonable place to read Lakers stuff. Uh, people yeah. are good to each other. I like yeah. it. And we know the difference. Way. We know the difference because we uh, used to run the LA Times Lakers blog, you know, maybe 15 years ago when Comment sections were first starting to become a thing. Comment communities. Let me tell you, that place was accessible. It was insane. It was ugly. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was not cool. It was right. Uh, not not universally. There were a lot of nice, like good people in it, but there were some. No, they were good shows. people There's... stuck in a cesspool. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> I mean, it, um, if you're a good person who just gets wrongly uh, relocated to hell, you're still in hell. Yeah, hell's re- hell. You're just a good person there. So um, media day is by for many people. By the time you hear this podcast, we Andy and I will be there. We'll be in the building in El Segundo, um, milling about and, and asking questions to the Lakers and to management, to Darvin Ham and all that. Uh, it's the season is here. Uh, it is officially the off season podcasts are over. The on season podcasts are beginning. Uh, it is a welcome change from all the speculation this summer. Um, so we'll get to a bunch of questions that we want to ask. Um, we're hoping that that other people do the kinds of things that we want to hear from Ham, from LeBron James, from Rob Palenka as they speak on Monday and what answers we would like uh, to those questions. But let's start here, Andy, because Russell Westbrook, this was a surprise to me. I didn't expect this necessarily. Adrian Wojnarowski at ESPN has a, a, a story um, that went up on Sunday, correct? Um, yeah. Um, from an interview with Russ. And um, it's not a, necessarily a you know, big, long feature or anything like that. But there is some honest talk, it seems like, there from Russ. Um, he's quoted at length in the story. And, um, you know, certainly a couple things stuck out to me. Uh, but I'll let you pick, you know, kind of the first starting point. What, you know, comments or, or, or quotes from Russ that you, you found really interesting here? Uh, the one that jumped out at me the most, just because I think there's a lot of different ways it can be taken and also a lot of different ways that people are going to read into it in terms of what it means for Russ heading into this season, because it's very well known that the Lakers have been working very hard to trade him. Um, You know, they've been in talks with the jazz and talks with the Pacers, maybe the Spurs, maybe the Knicks. Um, And Russ had been aware that they were looking to trade him. And we know that beyond the fact that he's not stupid but from the remarks made by his now ex-agent Thad Fouché, which 
acknowledged uh, the failed efforts to move Russell Westbrook and why ultimately it meant that Russ's best option was to really just lean into what Darvin Ham and the organization wants from him this coming season. Uh-huh. And Woj asked Russ if he feels wanted by the Lakers. And Russ said, quote, I don't need to. I need to just do my job. Whether I'm wanted or not doesn't really matter. I think the most important thing is that I show up for work and I do the job like I've always done it, be professional and go out and play my ass off and compete. And that's one of those things where on one level, Brian, that is 100% correct. Like in certain respects, you know, we always hear athletes talk about this is a business. And anybody who's ever had a job knows sometimes you just walk in there thinking this is a job. And I don't always feel appreciated at my job. I don't always feel like I'm being used at my job the way I should be or to the best of everybody's uh, benefits. Sometimes I feel like I don't want to be there and I feel like they don't want me to be there, but this is the deal. And I just got to be a professional first and foremost, but it could also speak to a certain amount of detachment. And depending on how Russ defines being a professional and going out and playing his ass off and competing, because as we've discussed before, those definitions can be very specific to Russell Westbrook's right. worldview. Correct. Could be interesting things. Well, afoot. how about this? You know, the, the beginning of that quote, um, I just need to do my job. There's a lot of disagreement about what that job is. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, when he says I need to do my job and then couples it with the part that you read, you know, that I show for work and I do the job like I've always done it, be professional and go out and play my ass off and compete. That's the part he's saying. I've all, I've always done it that way. I'm a professional. I go out, I play my ass well, off. And here's what really matters. Does he mean like I've always done it in terms of professionalism, stay in shape, conditioning, you know, give it a hundred percent while I'm on the floor. Or does he mean like I've always done it, which is Russ being Russ. And that's the thing. I mean, I just, there's a lot of, the the disagreement is going to come about what that job is. And I remain optimistic that there's at least the possibility that this can work. I, I, it's not where I put my money. I don't think it's ever, it's never going to be a good fit, even if it works. I mean, that's the thing I think people, an effective operation here it's still going to be clunky in spots it's still not going to look like like you know just like when anthony davis and lebron kind of got together and were really cooking well and you could see it like this made sense when it was conceived it makes sense on the floor when it's operating well like the natural complement of those two guys makes sense it's never going to look like that with westbrook it could just be better and better is monumentally important for the Lakers. I remain optimistic that that's a possibility. You know, it's this is all printed on paper. There's, or you know, web paper. There's no video to go along with it. I can't see what Russ's face looked like when we when Woj talked to him asking these questions. I don't. I couldn't see the tone, hear the tone of how he answered or anything like that. And it's hard to tell from this interview if this is Westbrook open to change so to speak or 
raising the same kind of walls that he's always had that are going to be problematic and they're going to make that will be the thing that keeps this from working because you know if he that 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 quote could mean if I'm asked to come off the bench I'm going to be professional I'm going to play hard I'm going to do my job and I'm going to go do it he and does say it. actually he does say quote I'm all in on whatever it takes for this team to win I'm prepared for whatever comes my way which as you just mentioned could be a bench role it has been well reported that the Lakers have been internally discussing this. Um, I don't. I don't think anybody has a starting job secured other than LeBron and AD. That's it. Uh, Darvin Ham has talked about Russell Westbrook as a starter. Darvin Ham has been a massive Russell Westbrook advocate and cheerleader, but he has not committed in stone to Russell Westbrook being a starter. He has said that he sees Russ as a starter. But he has not, he's been asked a couple times whether Russ coming off the bench is a possibility, and he has definitely not said no. So, yeah. well, I don't think there's, a, I mean, we're talking about questions that will surely come up on Monday. Uh, I, I, I don't think there's any way, shape, or form that Ham throughout training camp is going to close the door on anything. No, no, shit. I think, I think out of respect, um, he's going to start, you know, Westbrook is going to start out in the starting lineup. And I think he is going to, uh, to, to play that way. Um, but I don't think ham is going to in any way limit himself with his answers or, or make say things that are going to imply promises or anything else, because it's just, he has no incentive to do it. This is, you know, he, he has Russ, I mean, no leverage in this situation. And, you know, if, if the Lakers ask him to come off the bench and he doesn't and he puts up a fight, it does, it's the fallout's going to be on Russ. It's not going to be on the Lakers. Um, no. A couple other things that stuck out here that, um, that I want to get to. Um, he talked a lot about his family in mm -hmm. ways that um, I thought were kind of fascinating in terms of thinking about last year and Russ's own sensitivities to the way he is talked about. Because I know that is something that that – has long been a discussion on this podcast. We'll, we'll get to that. And then, of course, questions for Media Day next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Bet Online, your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts. Bet Online is also your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest, easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing and golf, but also the NBA, Locked on Lakers, folks. And if you want to lay down some early action on the 2023 season, BetOnline has you covered. The Lakers currently down to 22-1 to 1 for winning the championship. I guess Vegas is now convinced Russ will, in fact, be there for a while. Anthony Davis, 20-1 to 1 for Defensive Player of the Year. He is behind Rudy Gobert, Draymond Green, Bam Adebayo, Joel Embiid, the reigning Defensive Player of the Year, Marcus Smart, but also guys like Robert Williams, Time Lord, Jaron Jackson Jr., they're both going to be out to start this season. They are injured. Anthony Davis should take that very personally. Darvin Ham getting 18-1 to odds for Coach of the Year. So head to the website today. Use your mobile device. Learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. So um, I, before we get to a couple of these other things, um, that Russ said that I thought were interesting when he says I'm all in on whatever it takes. Um, 
do you believe him? Because it's interesting too. He says, I'm not even close to being done. I'm super grateful and blessed to be able to go compete year after year. And that's all I can do is prepare myself, my body, my mind, my body for as long as I can play. Um, I think the general consensus is if he wants to keep playing, he's going to have to adjust to the idea that he's he's no longer going to be the frontline guy, the superstar, the A, 1A on, on a decent team, a halfway decent team or any team for that matter. So when he says I'm all in, on whatever it takes to win. And he follows it with that. It was part of the same interview. How much, Andy, do you buy the idea that he really is all in on doing whatever it takes to win? I need to see it to believe it. I mean, Russell Westbrook defines all in in very specific ways. I mean, I think Russell Westbrook defines it as playing all in on my style of play and being all in on Russell Westbrook being Russell Westbrook. You know, I mean, I still remember at his last exit interview, you know, the Scorched Earth Festivus session, I asked him about the adjustments that Frank Vogel asked of him because Russ spent the entire year talking about playing outside of his comfort zone, being right. asked to do things that he really didn't feel played to his strengths. And it was pretty obvious to me and to you and I think anybody paying attention that he didn't like it. And I asked Russ these things that, no, if nothing else, in his mind, he did these adjustments. Did you do them with your arms wrapped around it, or did you do it because you were asked to do it? Because there's a difference. And Russ completely understood what I was asking, and he said that not only did he embrace these changes, he's always been the guy that has done the most adjusting on every team he's ever been a part of. So he's used to adjusting. I don't know what planet Russ has been playing basketball on yeah. like maybe this is what's going on in like the NBA's earth two, but like on earth one where you and I cover this team and cover the league and have covered all of, you know, we've seen Russ's entire career. I don't know what the hell he's talking about. So, but would you, I, and I agree with you. Would you, would you agree though that those two things are related? You know, the, the idea that, you know, I can play for a long time. I want to play, I'm, you know, with all that kind of stuff. And I am all in on being a team. But if he wants to do the first part of that, he has to show and demonstrate that he actually is all in on being a team player and doing what it takes to win if he wants to be able to extend his career in the way that he is seeming to imply in that quote. Well, there's... Or play as long as he thinks he's capable of playing. They are related, I think, from the outside looking in. I think in the way other people around the league and people who cover the league observe the situation. Again, here on Earth One. <laughs> right. The, they are connected that way. If you're asking me if I think Russ sees that same connection, again, I need to see what he does on the court this year. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm not even talking about whether or not he can be successful in doing it. I, I think there are certain ways Russ can be more successful trying to become more of a I don't know, team-centric version of even the guy that he's always been. Mm -hmm. I think there's going to be certain things that he just doesn't do as well as you'd hope. But as far as the willingness and the connection in terms of extending his career, I have no idea if he understands it or not. Because to be honest, this has been pretty apparent for a few years. Yeah. And Russ hasn't seemed to understand it. I did, at the point you're making, though, even just showing the, the willingness to try even if it doesn't work well, I think teams will look at that and say, okay, as he continues to work on it, as he gets better at it, he can evolve. And it'll, any bit of it helps. Um, the other part that I thought was was interesting, we did a show, um, I don't know if it was last week, I forget exactly when it was, we were talking sort of about empathy that people uh, might have for Westbrook because it just after the, it was after the Pet Bev uh, 
introductory press conference and he's there and he's throwing the towel at Pat, you know, he wipe your sweat off and they do the awkward bro hug. And it's like, it was almost so awkward for Russ that people were like, I kind of feel like bad. I feel a little like sympathetic, a little empathetic at the very least. Um, he talked a lot about the challenge that it was to uh, have his family see him get booed, see the response, see, you know, the, the, the glares at the grocery store and all this other stuff. Um, he says, the only thing that affected me was the impact it had on the people closest to me, my mom, my dad, wife, brother, close friends. We've never had to deal with that as a family. That was the most difficult thing, being booed in the arena and having my kids here. Being able to play at home, that became a dream come true. But honestly, I didn't look forward to it as much for me as I did all the people I grew up with, people in the community, but it wasn't exactly how I planned it to be, uh, to say the least. Um, I... I do think he's downplaying a little bit on what it meant to him to play at home and how much it hurt him, um, the sort of the the failure to launch, so to speak. But I also don't think he's being disingenuous at all when he talks about how challenging it was kind of for him to watch the people who really are also excited for him to be back, family, friend. because he pointed out they haven't been able to go to a lot of games. And I think this is something that's interesting. The family couldn't go because of COVID, because of other things. So they haven't been able to experience his career um, in the same way that I think, you know, it had been to that point where it's much more of a family affair and all that kind of stuff. So when they finally get that opportunity and it's just a disaster uh, and a hostile disaster, I can see why that was a weighing factor. You know, it's interesting. I, I'm not saying you're wrong in terms of, what I completely agree with you in terms of the, the weight this had on Russ watching his family and close friends experience this year for him, like the people that truly care about him and love him, and then also dealt with some of that hostility mm -hmm. firsthand. And, and frankly, fans being out of pocket. Right. And there's a specific stuff. reason that I think it's part of that. But, you know, and we'll see. I want to, I'm curious if you hit it. I, I, I absolutely agree that that affected Russ. What I thought was interesting, though. In terms of what it meant for Russ to come back, I actually wonder if some of the stuff that we've talked about, and I know that you in particular have said felt like defense mechanisms for Russ, talking about how, you know, being a Laker, he didn't have big expectations. You know, it, like it, it butts up against some stuff he said early in the season. But I actually wonder now if maybe that was the part where he wasn't being as honest early in the season where really he may have let out the idea that, you know, yeah, would I like to be a Laker? Of course I would. And, you know, this is sort of a fulfilling of something that I pictured for myself as a small kid, but really it was about coming home and it really was about being closer to my network and being able to do uh, you know, more hands-on uh, the work that I do with different organizations. Yeah, look, I mean, Russ it's, is a community it's, guy. It's, why should Westbrook be different than LeBron in that right. sense? Or, or like, you know, lesser a lesser example, but like Otto Porter Jr. going to Toronto uh, as a free agent. It's very well known. He chose that in large part because his wife is from Toronto, so he's doing something for his family. You know, Russ has been in the league long enough that maybe the idea of the – However big a childhood dream playing for the Lakers would have been when he was a child or a teenager, maybe even at UCLA, he's been in here long enough for that to kind of fade. And yeah, no, I, look, I, I, I it think just got me thinking. 
I, I think I don't, I, I never, I don't see Russ's sort of defense mechanism so much wrapped up in, you know, it's, I, I'm playing for the Lakers. It's the purple and gold. Like, no, I, I think, I think you have a lot of, I think there's a lot in there that's probably true. It is different to do that when you're 30 going in your age 33 season, like he was last year versus when you're 24, 25, like it would have been different. You know, Kobe was still, whatever, whatever. Um, I think Russ generally cares much more about what people think, particularly in terms of his court performance, than he likes to let on. Um, I think there's a lot of defense mechanisms that go up there. And what I think is specific to last year and specific to watching his family and specific to all these other things is I think he was embarrassed. Um, because in all other years, and you can, even in this interview with Woj, and you know, Russ is not kind of Russ is not. I think big on just letting down the wall here um, in any uh, in any uh, forum, but I just I I feel like at, at his core he understood that he wasn't playing well and he was playing well below. He acknowledged it in his piece, right? But like, but even in ways that go deeper, that like at a deeper level, even than like the sort of a lot of fans will read this interview and people I'm sure many Lakers fans have already read it as him just sort of saying the ob the obligatory yes i could have been better i should have been better i could have played it's not just them i didn't play well enough blah 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 i'm not really meaning it i just think he was genuinely embarrassed i think the whole thing was embarrassing to him and he is these are deeply proud people who have worked in ways that the rest of us really can't understand at a level of excellence that I really guarantee the rest of us can't understand and to perform in a way where you are so far below what is expected. And the results are so far beneath what you believe you're capable of, what you believe the expectations are and all that. It's embarrassing. And Russ has been in a lot of places where he's been criticized, but I don't think he's been in as many places where he's been, where there's been sustained embarrassment in this way. And I think that was one of the things that was really hard for him last year. Um, and we'll see if they can avoid it this year. Um, I don't, maybe we'll have some questions uh, for Russ, um, but be curious, Andy, if you have some questions that you really want to ask, whether it's to Palinka, to Ham, to whoever it might be on Media Day Monday, we'll get to those next. Okay, so um, Monday's media day. Uh, there'll be lots of questions that are asked um, of Darvin Ham, of Rob Palinka, of LeBron, and so on and so forth. If you, let's pick a couple that you want to um, run by, that you're really curious, no matter who it's to, um, and what you think the answer would be. Where where would you start? What's one that you're interested in? Um, I guess I would want to ask Rob Palinka. How satisfied are you with where the roster's at and how confident are you with where the roster's at? Because they're not necessarily the same answer. Uh-huh. But especially given how he and Jeannie Buss both openly talked about not being done during the offseason and not being done to this point has just meant trading for Patrick Beverly, which both of us liked as a move, but sure. it's certainly it's certainly wouldn't constitute a whole it, lot it, of it, work it, satisfied. Right. And it's at the very least, when you keep saying we're not done, we're not done, it's an acknowledgement that we're not good enough. Right. And it's it's also acknowledged, you know, it it really is a, a tacit acknowledgement of we've got this, you know, 47 
million dollar. Uh, right. I saw somebody in, in, on, on, on Cam Brothers or Twitter be like, you know, guys, if the organization wanted him traded, he'd be gone. I'm like, no, that's not how this works. No, it is not how it works. But I, I would be curious to know just, you know, I mean, the caveat with all of these is, particularly if you're talking to Rob Palenka, you're not going to get a straight answer. Mm-hmm. But depending on how much he allows you to read into uh, the guarded language, it could be interesting. But it's incorrect because it's a tricky question for him to answer because on the one hand, you don't want to sound delusional and stupid. Like, you know, oh, no, we think this is like this is, a, you know, but on the other hand, you don't want to. Um, well, that's why I'd asked him, right? Yeah, because it's, it's so a good question. That's, it's, a, it's an excellent question. I want to ask Darvin Ham. I got a lot of questions about the rotation and this and that and whatever. The one that I'm kind of. Um, from a philosophical standpoint, I want to I want to learn about. I want to ask him what changes in the dynamic between a player and a coach when you move from that sort of top assistant role, which is essentially what he's been, to the head coach, because so much of Darwin's um, resume uh, is built on that idea of being a, a really effective communicator with players. And being that kind of conduit often between the 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 coaching staff and the head coach and the players and all that. and you know, because it's a different deal being the assistant than being the head coach and I, I wonder if he thinks there are many coaches who believe a certain distance is required from players you can't quite be as I don't know if tight is the right word but something along those lines with your team or at least in the same way when you are in charge versus when you're the next man over on the bench. And given how important this has been to him throughout his coaching career, I would love to hear his answer on what changes and 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 how he responds to it. He might say nothing. He might say I'm going to do it the same way. You know, this is what I've learned and how I believe it should be done. But I, I it's the it's the only thing that I wonder about him, just because everything else kind of ticks all the boxes, and you find out, I guess, once he's going. But this is actually a legitimate change between being an assistant and being the head guy. Yeah, I, I mean, a, sort of a similar question I had for him. Possibly, um, you have to pick your spots really well with something like this because you likely only get one question. But just how he's somebody that we've talked about before, both as a player and as an assistant. He has built a ton of universal respect around the league. You and I both lobbied very hard uh, for him to end up the hire for this job. We were both very strong. Given the options, I thought it was the best one. Yeah, both of us thought that by a pretty wide margin. But that being said, he's new in this role, and he's going to be coaching three future Hall of Famers and a bunch of other players who've been around the league, all of whom have had very good head coaches. So you think Reeves is that good? Yes, yes. LeBron, uh, AD, I guess four. LeBron, AD, Russ, and Reeves. But how do you build that trust with players like that good as question. quickly as you need to? Um, I The one I have for LeBron, I have two. And you can you can comment on either one of them. One, I'm... I'm I would love to hear him say, obviously, the last couple of years, he's gone from being Iron Man to a guy uh, more, much more man than Iron Man. I, I, I would love to know how that's changed his approach to things like in-game workload, minutes, the possibility of rest days, and so on, just because he's 
he's always been so anti all of that stuff. The question I would love to ask him, though, is just whether I, I would love to compare this process for signing his extension with previous contracts. What what were the priorities here versus what were the priorities there? I don't think you'll get a straight answer to that, but I think the answer, were he to be completely honest, would be completely would be very revealing. And I suspect it would be stuff about my family, stuff about you know my comfort plays a lot bigger role now than it did then because I don't have anything to prove to anybody. Yeah, as that's opposed why, to needing to win another title. That's why whenever I hear I, I mean I hear a lot of media and like you know people that we know who cover the league, cover the Lakers that we both really respect a lot. But when I when I hear them talk about like promises that were made to LeBron that therefore the organization's under pressure to fulfill them, it's like guys like Obviously, LeBron wants them to try to field as competitive a roster right. as He'd possible. Like to win. He wants to win. Right. Or at the very least, he doesn't want to waste his time. Right. But LeBron is not stupid. And he recognizes, he has to recognize, even with the supreme confidence that he has in himself, that I'd like to think he still has in Anthony Davis and you know maybe other people on this roster, he's not stupid. He recognizes this team is, at the very least, I mean, at the very least for the time being, they're like a second tier ish type contender. If you yes. want to be very, very glass half full about this thing. And there are only so many realistic options along, you know, on the horizon, acknowledging strange things happen in the NBA all the time. He knows that the odds of ending up in a serious championship run. They're not non-existent, but they're low. Mm -hmm. If that's really the number one priority, he doesn't extend with this team. Nope. He just doesn't. And you and, know what? And people. And that's not a knock on LeBron. No, there'll be people who are critical of it, but like he, he's he's pushing forty. The stuff that I was talking about before probably should be more important. To be honest with you, comfort of your family, comfort of yourself. He wants and to the be around idea that LeBron James, who's going to break Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's scoring record this year needs to prove anything to anybody at this point is a is a joke. Yeah, I mean he um, wants to be around, you know, both of his sons as they become, you know, very accomplished uh, basketball players in their own right, you know, heading to the next level. Like the, the these are things that is really um I don't remember I don't remember if it was in the recent Vanity Fair article or the SI cover story that Chris I, it was the SI cover story that Chris Ballard did and like right. all things Chris Ballard writes it was outstanding. But um, I think it was Gloria James, um, LeBron's mother, talked about how LeBron is extremely outwardly focused on being the father that he did not have. Mm -hmm. Like this is something that really obsesses him. And as much as we can all recognize like the Taco Tuesday videos and some of the other stuff, like there's there's an element of branding that goes along with this when you're somebody like LeBron James because every living breath you take is branding when you're at that level. Just did. I mean, we you're right. We, no, you're you're, you're we right. Saw you're this exactly, you are exactly right. We saw this up close with Kobe, and yes. we've talked about all the time. Kobe is maybe the or at the greatest. very least brand awareness because yes. you know that whether you're intentionally trying to form your brand. You know that everything you say or yes. do or there's no separation between yeah, those exactly. Things. You can't be I, like. 
I'm on duty. I'm off duty. You're LeBron. You. You're always I, on duty. I appreciate you clarifying that because I didn't want anybody to think I mean it like cynically. No, it's an awareness um, that you are such a public figure that everything you do is judged and evaluated in, in a certain way. Right. But as much as, you know, the, those videos and stuff are done with a branding awareness and, you know, frankly, an awareness of what it does for his sons looking to create their own careers, like he cares about being there for his children. Well, he is he is a an extremely attentive and dedicated father. Right. Um, there's there's no doubt about that. And I imagine um, he wants to be the husband to Savannah. Yes, that absolutely. His mother didn't have. Yeah, no question. Uh, let me throw in one before we go that's not related to one of the stars. I, I would like to ask Lonnie Walker, because um, he is the most prominent free agent <laughs> the Lakers signed this offseason. Mm-hmm. Just because there's no clear spot from the rotation doesn't mean that that reality goes away. I, I would want to know, like the Spurs are in a full rebuild developing around young players, but they chose not to extend him. Like, you know, they they walked away from you. What about your development to this point do you think led to that? And what do you think that you have in front of you that they could be missing? I, 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 both of those things to me are important. The parts where he says, here's where I didn't, I didn't step up. Here's the stuff that I didn't get good enough at that they would want to keep me. And here's why I think they're wrong. Um, I think both of those things, like, I, I don't want to ask, well, why do you think they let you go? He's, I don't know. He's, that's up to them. Well, he, I actually asked him about that during his uh, mm-hmm. introductory press conference and, and he admitted it, it hurt. I'm you sure. Know, no, I'm sure it hurt. But I, I, I just mean like, oh, you'll have to ask. Like he was why surprised. He was. I would like to know, like, hurt. what didn't you get good enough at? You know, you're not. You know, he's a smart young man. Like, what, what didn't you, you know, show in San Antonio that led you, that led them to that decision? Do you think? And why do you think they're wrong? Um, what do you think? I, I don't know what he'd say, but that's that's for me. Do you have any any others that you want to throw in there for non-stars, or we'll just sort of recap it all after Monday? We'll definitely <laughs> recap it, probably for a few days. Hopefully, it's gonna be a lot of material. Hashtag content. All right. Um, so we will be back um, Monday to recap Media Day. Um, all Tuesday. the big highlights. I'm sorry. Yes, Tuesday for Monday's Media Day. Um, and uh, yeah, Lockdown Lakers on YouTube is where you go to see the show and all that stuff. Uh, Thanks again for all the support there, and uh, we'll see everybody on Tuesday.